Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a mystery. Today is a bonus episode that we call a toe tag. It's the first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery, crime, or thriller genre. Today's release is The Accidental Spy by David Gardner. Before we get into the actual first chapter, I want to start with uh, the quotes that David has at the front. The first is from Robert Frost from the poem The Road Not Taken, and it says, Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. The second is a definition from Phillips Dictionary of Espionage, spy a person employed by a governmental agency to obtain secret information on a hostile country. Accidental spy, definition by Harvey Hudson, some poor jerk dragged into a world of trouble. You'll get that as we go on because Harvey Hudson is our hero. So here we go with chapter one. Bunny ears, September 2019. I'm sorry, bunny ears, summer 2019. Awesome way to start out, right? Summer 2019. Harvey Hudson released the steering wheel and swatted at the blue balloon. Congrats, you did it! That was banging against the back of his head. What was the it for? Someone earned a law degree? Pulled off a bank heist? Successfully underwent potty training? All three? One day before turning 56, and here he was, delivering balloons. How had he let this happen to himself? He chewed on the last of the Skittles he'd swiped from the bulky candy basket attached to the red balloon shaped like a birthday cake. Too many sweets for some spoiled kid. He was doing the pudgy brat a favor. Snickers bar was tempting. Maybe later. Harvey reached across the front seat, grabbed a handful of candy bars from the Skittles basket, $149, and dropped them into the modest neighbor, $39. He often shifted candy from larger baskets to lesser ones. He thought of himself as the Robin Hood of balloon delivery. Harvey had just had $87 in the bank a few weeks ago when he shambled past a help wanted sign in front of the window for the rapid rabbit balloon service. He paused and reread the sign. Part-time delivery person needed. Welcome to Rapid Rabbit. Yeah, what the hell? He hurried inside before he came to his senses. He would have taken any gig. Balloon delivery specialist, mail stripper, getaway driver for a grizzled bank robber. With this part-time job delivering balloons and his full-time work as a beginning technical writer, Harvey could just stay afloat. His ex-wife had cleaned him out. He double parked on the smart street of Brickfront Homes on Boston's Beacon Hill, hesitating, He clamped the hated bunny ears over his head and attached the spongy red nose. Sighing, he grabbed the $149 basket and, heading down, ambled up the walkway and rang the bell. The balloon bobbed overhead, taunting him. The woman who opened the door was a slim and pretty brunette in her 50s. She had a narrow face and large, dark eyes. She was his boss at his day job. She was also his high school sweetheart. Harvey wanted to disappear into the ground. Margot took a step back. Oh! Harvey pulled off the bulbous red nose and stuffed it into his shirt pocket. Ah, uh, this is where you live. 
Margot shook her head. I'm here with my daughter for a birthday party. Harvey shifted from one foot to another. I'm um, delivering balloons just for tonight to help out a buddy who had two wisdom teeth pulled this morning, a professor who lost his job the same time I did. Margot blinked twice. A sociologist, Harvey added. Margot gripped the edge of the door. Named Fred, Harvey said. Margot nodded. The guy took the job in desperation because he's broke, secret, recently divorced, and down on his luck, Harvey said and realized he was describing himself. He handed the basket to Margot. Did she believe him? Probably not. Did the company have a rule against moonlighting? Well, he'd soon find out. Margot poked around the basket. There's too much candy in here. At least there aren't any Skittles, he said. Margot selected a Reese's peanut butter cup. I've moved tomorrow's team meeting up to 10 a.m. Did you get my email? Harvey nodded. Was that her way of telling him that moonlighters don't get fired? He hoped so. He was pathetically underqualified as a technical writer, and his job was in jeopardy. Harvey hated meetings. Sometimes he thought the software engineers asked him questions he couldn't answer just to see him squirm. Many were kids in their 20s, making double his salary. And he hated lying to Margot. At least he could be honest about one small thing. Actually, this is my night gig, he said. I've had it for a few weeks. Margot unwrapped the Reese's, nipped off the corner, chewed and said, Is that why I caught you asleep at your desk yesterday? No, he thought, it's because the job is so damn boring. He shook his head. I wasn't sleeping. I have a habit of relaxing and closing my eyes whenever I'm searching for the perfect way to convey a, a particularly difficult concept to our worthy customers. And snoring? Margot was smiling now. It was the same cute smile from high school. He remembered it from the last time that they snuck a kiss in the back row of calculus class. The girl he'd loved and lost. She set the basket down and pulled a 20 from the side pocket of her slacks. Um, would you, uh, accept a tip? No, he said. She shoved the bill into his shirt pocket. Yes, you will. Harvey shifted his weight to his left foot. A liar doesn't deserve a $20 tip. At most, a few dimes and nickels. You know, couch cushion change. Margot finished the peanut butter cup in silence. He didn't quite know what to say now. Yes, he did know. He should tell her the truth. He'd outsourced his job to India. Was that illegal? Probably not, but it was highly unethical. Would she protect him after he confessed? Unlikely, which meant he would lose his job. But living a lie was exhausting, and it was just plain wrong. She hired him and trusted him. She deserved better. He cleared his throat once, <clears throat> twice, <clears throat> a third time. Uh, Margo, there's something I have to tell you. It seems I... Is that the balloon guy? A young woman called from inside the house. That's my daughter, Margo said and picked up the basket. A blue balloon bobbed on the string attached to the handle. I'll be right back. Harvey stood at the open door, trying to think of some way to soften his upcoming confession. Maybe just blurt it out and get it over with. Happy birthday, Dad! The daughter's voice again from inside. Candy? And a kid's balloon again this year? Are you trying to tell me something? The daughter laughed. Harvey recognized the man's voice. Tucker Aldrich was the CEO of the company where Harvey worked. He was also Margot's ex-husband and a first-class dickhead. So it meant the balloon and the candy basket were for Tucker, not some child. Harvey was sorry he passed on the Snickers bar. 
The hell with telling the truth. Margot came back out holding a glass of white wine. She leaned against the doorframe. Uh, what were you going to say earlier? Um, that you're an over-tipper, Harvey said. Only when the delivery person is cute, Margot said. Curly hair guys, the spongy red nose. She sipped her wine. Did I mention that the meetings moved to 10 a.m.? Yes, he said. Silence. Then Margot said, well, I'll see you tomorrow. She closed the door behind her. Harvey stared at the bronze horsehead knocker. He wanted to rip it off. The door, too. He, in fact, wanted to tear down the whole damn building and have it fall on Tucker's head. Margot hadn't forgotten that she told him about the meeting. Margot was incapable of forgetting. She was warning him to show up. Team meetings were a nightmare. The scruffy programmers spoke computeries, argued over stuff Harvey didn't understand, and gleefully pointed out errors in his documentation. But way off in New Delhi, lovely Amaya understood. And with luck, she might save his job. Tomorrow's meeting would make or break him. Harvey shuffled down the walkway, his head lowered, his bunny ears slipping down his forehead. He'd been so shocked to see Margot, he forgot to take them off. One of life's bad moments. Still, she called him cute. Yeah, sure. He was just hours from turning 56, had found an additional gray hairs while shaving this morning, and was thickening around the waist from too many Skittles and Snickers. Harvey climbed into his car and slumped into the driver's seat. He was angry with Tucker for stealing Margot and angry at Margot for not offering him a glass of wine. But most of all, Harvey was angry with himself for letting him see for letting her see him in the bunny ears. When he first started making deliveries a few weeks earlier, he refused to wear them. Then he thought, I mean, what the hell? Doesn't everyone at some time want to play the fool? There was no pressure to succeed, to show off, to one-up a colleague. What if everyone, from a prisoner sitting out a life term to the President of the United States, had to set aside one day a year and play the fool, to go out in public wearing a spongy red nose and bunny ears? What ifs and whys had obsessed Harvey as a child, who from morning to night had trailed behind his father and mother and pestered them with questions? What if there was a ladder to the moon? What if everyone had four arms? Why is cousin Alice getting those bumps on her chest? Later, he would turn his pestering curiosity into a profession. He thought of himself as a speculative historian. What if the Allies had lost the Second World War? What if Caesar hadn't crossed the Rubicon? What if no one had invented the computer? Harvey started the engine, reached over to tap the next address into the GPS, and then leaned back. Why humiliate himself like this? His ex-wife had always insisted that he was punishing himself with guilt over his younger brother. Harvey denied this, but he knew she was right. Enough. He reached his lifetime quota of humiliation. Here's another what if. What if we quit this goddamn job? Harvey turned off the engine, climbed out of the car, went around back and popped the trunk. A dozen balloons popped on basket handles, aching to go free. Harvey tied the spongy nose to a balloon that read, get well soon. He cut it loose. Next, he liberated a black balloon picturing a race car, turning 10. Finally, he tied his rabbit ears to a cluster of white orbs trailing a banner that read, congrats, new parents, and set the bunch free. He watched until the last of the balloons caught the breeze and disappeared into the night sky. He slammed the trunk closed, climbed into his car, and right away started to fret. 
What if a balloon floated to the harbor for some sea creature to swallow? Headline, reckless ex-professor kills orca. Just one more reason to be angry with himself. So that's the first chapter of The Accidental Spy by David Gardner. It was released in November 2022 from Encircle Publications, and it's available at Amazon and other retailers. Links are in the show notes. A little bit about David. He grew up in Wisconsin on a dairy farm. He served in Army Special Forces and earned a PhD in French from the University of Wisconsin. He has taught college and worked as a reporter and in the computer industry. He co-authored three programming books for Prentice Hall, wrote dozens of travel articles, as well as too many mind-numbing computer manuals before happily turning to fiction. The Journalist, a paranormal thriller, the last speaker of Scalwegian, sorry for butchering that, and The Accidental Spy have all been released from Encircle Publications. He lives in Massachusetts with his wife Nancy, also a writer. He hikes, bikes, and messes with astrophotography and plays the keyboard with no discernible talent whatsoever. Hey, that's the same way I play guitar. <laughs> Doesn't stop me though. All right, here is my review. The Accidental Spy is a suspense thriller with a minor in satire. Harvey Hudson is a big thinker, as you all heard. He is a professor of big history. It's uh, his niche in the world is to understand how things begin and how they end. His lackluster technical writing career began with the end of his collegiate teaching career. Breaking the top commandments for cybersecurity, he invites industrial espionage into his company's servers. But no worries, the CIA is on this, and so are the Russians. And Harvey? Well, he's the pinball stuck in between and working to make his own way out. Bottom line is, The Accidental Spy is for you if you like thrillers that are more intellectual than physical, where you can cheer for the underdog. So what are the strengths of this story? Harvey Hudson is not your normal thriller hero. He's a 56-year-old thinker, not a man of action, and as you all just heard, we meet him at the low point in his life. Yet, he is utterly likable for his quiet rebellions, like eating the Skittles out of the birthday basket, his dedication to his mother, he pays her mortgage while he lives in a shithole, and his unwavering dreamer philosophy. His favorite question, as you heard, is what if? He is the star. The supporting characters are distinctive and have real roles in the stories, and the logic of the plot holds up and all questions are resolved. So where does the story fall short of the ideal thriller? Well, this is a story that is a hybrid between the thriller and a satire genre. So where the story falls short of being a thriller is that it, it doesn't have a lot of the high-speed chases and bullet-riddled exchanges that we often expect with thrillers. Consequently, if you're a fan of, of those type of very physical series like Jason Bourne, you may find the accidental spy a little slow. However, if you have a sense of humor that allies with, like, Fletch, well, you're going to really enjoy Harvey. So that's it. Pick up The Accidental Spy and don't put it down. Uh, write a review. Tell David how much you appreciate it. With that, we will turn it to Jack to take us out.